Well, welcome to The Journey. My name is Kevin Polkey, and we have a special guest with us today. Actually, she is uh, someone who has already been on the show, but we were just uh, just a few minutes uh, ago talking about when Tanya was with us before, it was one of our earlier episodes when we were actually meeting in person. So this was pre pre-March of 2020, so pre-pandemic. But uh, so we are welcoming back uh, Tanya Casada Rink. And uh, so thank you very much for joining us again and, and being a part of uh, Suicide Awareness. And, and we'll also get into that you're going to be one of our uh, guest speakers at our annual event for Shatter Our Silence as well. So but, uh, welcome back to the journey. Thank you. So, uh, so as we, as I always do, whenever we have a guest come on, um, I ask, so Tanya, what is it when you have an opportunity when you're not working or with family and everything, what do you do to kind of replenish? What do you do for fun? Um, well, every morning I get up and try and exercise before work. And then on days that I don't have work, I try and be out in the yard and exercise and run the path with my dog. Uh, we have two dogs, but one refuses to run. So I only take the other one to go running on the path. So gotcha. I just don't bridge trails. So. Gotcha. And of the two dogs, what, what kind of dogs are they? They're Weimaraners. Okay. Okay. And the, and the one doesn't want to run though, huh? No, and he's the younger one. He's two and the other one's three. And the two-year-old, does. he'll stop on the middle of the driveway and he won't go any further. So he won't even get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. funny so i know since the last time we spoke uh, on the journey there's been quite a few changes that you've had uh, experienced in your life uh, changing changing jobs and and some your daughter is off to off to the in the military right now so why don't you kind of just give us an update about some of the changes that you have going on in your life and then and then also some of the things that we're going to be talking about in september Right. Um, well, I did have a job change. I work at a nursery now with plants um, and Peyton was in the Coast Guard and then now she's um, out and she's in San Antonio. So um, our only child is miles and miles away, but she absolutely loves it. So um, and she loves the plants, too. She belongs to the um, San Antonio uh, Botanical Garden, so she can go in there whenever she wants. So um, if, if there's questions I need to know about work, sometimes I actually call her. <laughs> sure, sure. And what is she doing in San Antonio? Uh, she actually works from home and does some stuff um, with medical billing and, and things like that. So um, she loves to be able to work from home and uh, do her own thing. So Gotcha. And was there a particular, what were some of the story, what's the story behind moving from, from, the Rockford area to San Antonio. What, what, how did, how'd that come about? Cause that seems to be kind of a, a unique, unique choice. Right. Well, she had an opportunity to move there with a friend and then ended up moving out on her own and she's doing really well by herself and just likes to not have to worry about, you know, someone else's house and that kind of stuff. So um, it was a really good move for her. So that was good. Well, good. Well, good. Good deal. Well, I've heard I've never been to San Antonio, but I've heard some great things about about the city and uh, just the, the the lifestyle and the, and the culture there. I've heard some pretty amazing things. Right. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And the uh, what is it? The river walk. And she just finds different paths to run on with her dog, who is also a Weimaraner. Um so there's kind of a trend there, yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they just go and do their own thing. And she has some friends down there that she hangs out with and 
um, can't wait to move south. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, why don't you let our audience know you you are in a very special special place in your home. And uh, you were telling me a little bit about the story about the, the actual, uh, your space, as you refer to it as. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the, the physical location you're at right now? Sure. So it's actually our daughter's old bedroom, which I painted. And, and that part over there is my gym's got treadmill and all that stuff. But this is actually underneath the stairs. And everything in here I found around the house, except for the chair I'm sitting in, just a cheapy little beanbag chair from Walmart. Um, but I call it my mom's space. And I suppose, you know, we all need our space. Dads need space. Moms need space. So um, it's just I journal in the morning and then I'll work out and then I go to work. So it's just my little my little Zen area. Sure, sure. Perfect. Well, and I know when we were talking earlier is that we and I know we'll get into it is that that there is a couple things, a couple different tools that you have um, uh, that you've been utilizing for your own uh, mental well-being and your own healing. And so for some people that don't know and um, kind of fill us in a little bit about some of the some of the setbacks that you've had in your life. And then in particular, why is suicide awareness and suicide prevention so close so close to your heart? Sure. Um, so growing up, I always worked for my dad. I was a, a daddy's girl. And from literally the age of seven, I started installing carpet and tile with my dad. And um, when I was 21, five days before Christmas, he was killed in a semi head on crash with a semi five days before Christmas. So not only did I lose my dad, my hero, but I lost my job. I honestly don't remember where I lived or worked from that December until May when I moved to Wisconsin with who is now my husband, but at the time he was my boyfriend, Sean, he had just graduated college. So that was, that was pretty major. You know, you got your life set and you think this is what you're going to do. You're going to work at the family business. If you ever have kids, well, you can't install, you can't lift the heavy stuff. So you're going to work in the office and then go back. I mean, I had supposedly, I thought I, I, you know, I had my life all planned out, but little did I know it wasn't going to go that way. And then, um, we moved to Stevens point and Colorado and back to Wisconsin. And then down here in the, in that time frame, it was like nine years and we got married and then had a baby and, um, we moved down here when Peyton was three and then 21 years after my dad died or our dad died, Tommy, um, Tommy passed my brother and he's six years younger than me and he passed by suicide and it was a Thursday, May 30th. And, um, it was one of the worst days. So with that, I went into a really bad place. Sorry. Um, and it was hard, obviously. Um, not as hard as a lot of other people, I'm sure. Um, I don't want to, you know, minimize anybody else's experience. Um, but then finally, when I, you know, months later, when I finally decided, okay, I got to move forward. You don't move on. You don't move on. You move forward. And um, ran into this guy named Kevin. And he says, you know, you need to see someone. Uh, you can see someone at my place or I can find you someone, but you need to talk to somebody. And I ended up seeing Delinda at your facility and she was just a godsend. And from then I just started changing everything I did, everything I ate. Uh, I lost 55 pounds, um, started taking my health more seriously. 
um, because I couldn't sit in it any longer. I mean, you you know, I guess the way I look at it and the way Tommy would say to me is that you got to move forward on things that I would try and, you know, dwell on. And when you're driving in a car, the rear view mirror is a little for a reason because you glance back and see where you were at, but you're moving forward. So just glance and then just keep moving forward. So that's what I've been doing. I'm not going to say that it's easy. It still stinks some days. Um, but that year that Tommy passed was really a hard year because my mother-in-law had passed the September before. And then um, we had one of our dogs we had to put down that December. And then in March, no, in April, Sean's grandma died. And then we had another dog we had to put down. She was really sick. And then in May, my grandma passed from old age. And then two weeks later, Tommy passes from suicide. And then that November, a friend of ours, Matt, passed from suicide. And the next July, my uncle Mike passed from suicide. So it was a lot in less than two years, a lot of loss. And um, I just had to, you know, I just had to find something different. So that's where the exercise and eating, um, I found that a lot of stuff has to do with what I eat. Um, not that you can't indulge. I'm not saying that you can only eat certain foods all the time. But um, I can really tell if I've eaten a lot of sodium or a lot of fried foods or a lot of caffeine, if I have a lot of pop, um, I can really tell my mood. And I've been doing research on uh, the brain and, you know, how the food affects that and your mental health and stuff. So um, that's what I've been doing. It's just, and it's not always the same thing. It's not like we talked earlier before we started today is that it's not always running. It's not always lifting. It's not, but it's different things. Like I might do art or I might, I just started drawing last year or I might paint or I might. So I started making quilts last year too. I think I made like 16 quilts. Um, I guess once I do some, I just go, I go all at it. Um, but it, it's different things. If this one thing doesn't work this time, well, then you got to switch it up and maybe that'll work next time and try something different. Sure. Well, I think that's a great point. And being able to have, as we were talking earlier, having more than one tool that you know will work is just what will work this time on this day. And and so I, I think it... I think it is pretty important and that it's change, you know, that we have to change it up. So, you know, exercise can be a lot of different types of things, right? It can be, can be running. It could be, you know, it could be working out with weights or it could be doing some other type of aerobic exercises, or it might be taking a class or, you know, something like that as well. So, um, and, and there's times when you also need to be able to have other types of things to balance that out. And that's something that I've had to learn you know, throughout my life is that even though weightlifting um, has been, you know, for 40 plus years of my life, um, it, it still serves that purpose, but it also, I, I need to have other, other aspects of being able to get grounded or I'll, I'll become imbalanced with that as well. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always have to be, like you said, it could be yoga. It could be, it doesn't have to be some strenuous, I'm going to go out and run, you know, a marathon today, which I've never run a marathon. I've only done halves, but um, you know, it doesn't have to be that, like you said, it doesn't have to be weightlifting or running. It could be something different. It could be meditation and journaling. It could be what I found too, is that, and I got to get back to it because I've noticed I've gotten more negative 
um, is that every day when I would journal, I would start out with what gratitude, what am I grateful for? Even if it's okay, I, if I actually got out of bed and didn't snooze again. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. even that is, it, you know, just anything to start off your day with being grateful, I think is very important as well. Yep. As you were talking about the series of deaths that happened, you know, uh, prior to Tommy's death and then after Tommy's death, um, we, we've talked about this idea of either cumulative trauma or cumulative grief. And so tell us a little bit about, uh, and again, you said it great, not, not, that, not that there's any way of comparing one person's loss or one person's pain to another. We, we have our own journey with our own um, losses or pain. So it's not a comparative thing, but maybe just to kind of, for you, as you think of the impact of those cumulative losses, um, how do you think that may have uh, played a part in your uh, grieving process? Uh, well, with my mother-in-law, she was really like a mom. Um, so I try and think of things that, you know, with her, um, before my father-in-law sold his home this summer, and ironically, he sold it to our goddaughter, just out of a fluke, she came over one day and said, what are you guys doing? And I said, we're cleaning out this big house with this big property. You guys interested? So ended up that they ended up, did, they did buy it. But, um, you know, I think of things like how she would handle things and how, you know, when I go over there and I would help with the yard work, I'd do it for her. You know, I didn't do it because it needed to be done. I did it to honor her. So mm-hmm. I try and do things to honor people and not necessarily do them because they need to be done, you know? No, oh, absolutely. And I think that I it, it allows us to have another level of connection with that, with that individual. And, right. it, and it takes something that well, needs to be done, right? It's a, it's a, it's a chore or a task that needs to be done, but reframing it from a standpoint of having the honor to do it versus the obligation to do it. Exactly. I mean, it's a lot to help move yourself, let alone, you know, someone else you want to be respectful and those types of things, but really anything in life, if you kind of think of, oh, I got to do it because so-and-so needs it done, but why are you chosen to help them? There's a reason. So I have someone in my neighborhood, an elderly lady that I've been helping with her yard. And it's like, it just kind of fell into place. So evidently I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to help out with her yard in some, some reason. And that's, you know, you just never know what that reason is. And, you know, anybody really in life, when you think about things, if you always think of things as a chore and that you have to do this to help someone, then it's like, you're not really doing it for the right reason. You're doing it because you feel you have to, not because you want to, to honor someone. Exactly. Um, with, with uh, you know, with the, and I believe you said, obviously it was Tommy, and then you, it was an uncle that died from suicide, and then it was a friend that died from suicide. Is that, did I get that correct? Well, it, yeah, it was Tommy and then our friend Matt in okay. that November, and then the next May was my uncle. So, and actually before that, and and what I found out since the last time we spoke, you know, before pre-COVID is that my dad's youngest brother and youngest sister also seem to have passed by um, intentional overdoses Mm. of medications that they used. So um, then I had to look at it like, okay, it, it wasn't just Tommy, it's other people in our family. My uncle, after Tommy was on 
my mom's side and the two before were on my dad's side. So it's like, my gosh, what, what the heck's going on? You know? Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of overthinking, I think sometimes too. Well, and let me ask re- regarding that with, you know, cause they, they obviously were tied, tied to your, tied, tied to you as family, but biologically they, um, before you and Tommy were were born, they, they, these were two separate families. And so, and so with any of the investigation, research, listening, asking questions, any, anything that seemed to be any, any parallels between the three deaths? But not between Tommy's, but between my, my aunt and uncle on on my dad's side and my uncle on the other side, um, it seems a lot of challenges with fitting into the family. Um, as far as like my dad's side, that's the Italian side. It's like, it was very strict Italian. Like I was told I was a disappointment because I was a, I was a girl. I'm the oldest grandchild. My grandfather actually told me that when I was 15. Um, so there's, I mean, there's definitely a, a different, um, type of, oh gosh, I don't even, like a hierarchy there. And when the youngest and you're not good enough, and one of them was dyslexic and, you know, being told that they're stupid, um, you know, not being included in things. And I think that all goes back to a form of bullying and not that it's an excuse or, or why they did it or, you know, all those things. But um, I think it had a lot to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, you make a great point because we can have some very influential people in our life. And, and sometimes they're blood related. Sometimes they're uh, related through marriage or, or maybe some other circle that they can um, leave a very strong impression on us. And then that impression or the, or something that they do or say, or don't do or say can leave this, leave this wound or this impression on us. And then it's the story that we tell ourselves about that, that becomes the thing that haunts us. Right. And in fact, the day that my grandfather told me that I was stupid, I couldn't add, subtract, multiply, or divide. I don't know why your dad had you working here. I I remember it verbatim. And it was, I mean, I'm 53. And that was when I was like 15, you know. Um, And my dad ended up finding out about it because somebody else was in our store at the time. And I was, of course, I was devastated and off crying in the corner, literally like at the stairway. And uh, my dad came over and he said, you know, I heard what happened and yada, yada. And he says, okay, so now what are you going to do about it? And I looked at him, I said, well, I'm going to prove him wrong. He said, okay, let's go. So that horrible thing might've happened to begin with, but what my dad did and said after that was priceless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then ironically, uh, my grandfather didn't work for us very long after that. He retired. (laughs) So um, my dad didn't put up with a lot of stuff. He didn't tell you how he fixed it, but he would just, it would be, you know, it'd be all right, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, and, you know, those opportunities to be with your dad, and even though it was only for 21 years, um, that that those seeds that were planted, those stories that were that were placed with you, they they go long, they they live with you much longer than those 21 years. Um because you could replay that particular conversation and his response to you um, in many different scenarios. And his response would probably be the same thing. 
Right. And then I also had to analyze, you know, for so many years, it was that, oh, yeah, I am stupid. I, I was very heavy um, as a as a teen, you know. And then um, when my dad died, I just turned to food to eat, you know, because that was my comfort. But now as I get older, as we get older, of course, we're always more knowledgeable or so we think we are. Um, I have to think, OK, children learn what they live. And my grandfather learned what he lived. And no, he shouldn't have said that to me. Yes, it was wrong, but that's all he knew. That's all he knew is that the girl was supposed to, the women were supposed to stay home. They're not supposed to work in the outside the home. They're supposed to take care of the kids in the house. And so he learned what he lived and, and that, you know, yes, he shouldn't have said it, but that's also all he knew. So, you know, it's up to us to change that cycle. And that's what I'm doing with um, some things that have happened in my family is that I can't, just because somebody is blood related to you doesn't mean you have to have them in your life all the time. You can still love them. You can still wish them well. You can still not want any harm to do to them, but you have to have healthy boundaries. And if somebody's harmful to you, your you know, emotional, mental, physical, whatever that may be, um, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to love you from a distance. You can stay over there. I wish you the best. And I'm going to stay over here and I need to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, like you said, there's, there's a combination. Sometimes we have to set boundaries and, and sometimes we, we need to remember certain lessons such as your dad teaching you, uh, you know, okay, so what are you going to do about it? You know, and, and other, what I, how I took that is that your dad w- gave you a choice you could you could choose to go victim and feel bad for yourself and feel sorry for yourself and hope someone will fix it for you or he could stretch you and challenge you what what is time you're going to do about that to prove that um that perception incorrect right what if what can i do to make you know and i would ask my dad i'm like okay so why are you teaching me and why because tommy was six years younger than i so i'd be like why are you showing me all this stuff? Because I would constantly be asking questions and he would answer them. He would be like, okay, well, let me show you why we're doing it this way. Um, sometimes you just got to learn when and not to ask a question, just be quiet though too. <laughs> but he's like, you know how to do it. So you don't have to pay somebody to do the stuff at your own home. And everything in our home, except putting in a new furnace and a new roof is pretty much Sean and I have done it, mm-hmm. you know? So we, in fact, we're putting on a new deck next, next weekend. We're starting that project to save some money. So um, it was good to know that, you know, you can, you don't have to be, you know, victim and it really is in our head, you know, cause what is the most powerful tools we have are, you know, our brain and our tongue, because what we say and do can be very harmful to people too. So, and I a hundred percent agree with you that, uh, that we we may not have a control over a lot of things but the one thing that the the one thing that we can influence is our thinking and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to do but um but we we do have uh the ability to influence our thinking or do something to help get help to influence our thinking so so tanya coming coming up uh here in the in the next week or so is going to be suicide awareness month in September, Suicide Awareness Month. And then on the 21st of September, we are doing our annual uh, Shatter Our Silence annual fundraising dinner at the Lombardi Club. And you're going to be one of our guest speakers. And so since specifically since Tommy's uh, death, 
um, you have uh, not only have you uh, transformed your own life and and through physically and, and emotionally, but you've also uh, been involved as an advocate. So tell us a little bit about what what's the message you would like to get out to people who may be struggling in the darkness or know someone that's struggling in the darkness. What, what would be something that you'd want to to share with them? Well, when Tommy passed, you know, for, for, you know, a while, then you're kind of in a fog. And I constantly asked, why me? Why is this happening? But then I've had to learn, it's not why me. This didn't happen to me. It happened to Tommy. And I can't, this was his, what happened to him. So, but why not me? I mean, I got a big mouth. You know, I can certainly talk to people and explain that, you know, my situation, and even though what worked for me may not work for you, but it might, you know, catapult you into something different. Um, but that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to tell people, um, you know what, I just need a break right now. I need, you know, I need some space or, you know, I really need someone to listen. Can you listen um, and not talk and, and be present? And I think all of those things are important. And when you have kids that are struggling, um, I think that's the hardest challenge because just the social media aspect of life. I mean, I don't know how you, what you think, but I think it would have been horrible when I was a kid if we had to have social media, you know. Um, but just to listen or just to be there for them and just hold their hand. And even if they don't want to talk, that's okay too. But just to have somebody that they know has their back is very important. Yeah, yeah no, I think... You're 100% right that, uh, you know, there is a time and uh, a time and a space for solitude, as you as you shared in your own journey. Um, but but it's it's critical that when we find ourselves in a dark spot, right, which is part of part of life, it's what we what do we do with it and being by ourselves and isolating um, either um physically isolating or or mentally and emotionally isolating meaning not share anything keeping everything inside and just trying right. to just trying to fix it on our own um usually uh compounds the the shame compounds the uh the the negative uh, half empty thinking and mm -hmm. and because we know that uh depression in particular, and anxiety lie to us. It, it is not a truth teller. Um, that's not to say that when we're when we are battling depression or anxiety, it may very much reveal a truth within us that we didn't think we maybe had. But um, but it will lie to us because its primary motive is to be in control. And um, and I think. I think something you said earlier is 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 a good message for people to to um to cling on to instead of why me more like what your dad said what are you going to do about it right what can what can you do to help why not me what can I do to help and some days it's like you know what I just got to take a break I can't you know talk about um this, you know, suicide and stuff like that, because I just need to re-energize myself. But like you said, you have to get, and I call it the hamster wheel. You have to step off that hamster wheel and the negative thinking and isolation, because it's not going to do you any good. You know, you've already thought about it and rethought about different things and different aspects or what you could have done or what you should have done. And, and again, you know, that's the rearview mirror glance there, 
and find something different. And that's when you have that, you know, I don't, some people might have a jar with a bunch of popsicle sticks with different things. Oh, you know, art. Okay. I'm going to do something art with art today or outside. Okay. I got to find something outside today. It doesn't have to be specific unless you want it to be. It could be, Oh, work on quilting or, you know, work on cross stitch or, you know, work on plants. Cause like my yard is what I love to do in the summer as well. Um, but just to have a, a physical tool to be able to pull from, um, I think is helpful too. And think about the different things that you could be doing instead of sitting in isolation. You know, even if you go to the mall, you're around people and smile at people, and maybe that's the only smile they'll see that day. So it's important to get out too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so again, Tanya, thank you for being with us today. And if someone uh, wanted to reach out to you, had questions, or just wanted to reach out to you in general, what would be, what's the easiest, best way for them to get get in contact with you? Um, on Facebook, I have uh, Tanya Casada Rink. Um, they can message me there. Um, not on Instagram all that much, but um, on Facebook, it'll message, it'll alert me. So. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you again for being being with us and, and definitely thank you for the work that you've done on yourself and, and being willing to share your journey and, and your message with others. And I am looking forward to you being with us on Thursday, uh, the, the 21st of September. So thank you I again. am looking forward to that too. Thank you. Okay. Yep. As uh, as we are going through this, the next few weeks in particular, um, focusing on uh, suicide awareness, um, if you find yourself or someone that you care about uh, in a dark spot, there is always uh, reaching out by the suicide uh, uh, suicide crisis line at 988 or texting 741741, or if it's eminent threat, just to contact um, uh, 911 to get uh, emergency help that way. But um, if there is something in Tanya's story or something we talked about today um, you think might be beneficial to someone else, please share it and, um, and tell, uh, tell others about what, what you heard us talk about today. As always, thank you for being here, and I look forward to being with you next week.